If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, round two. We have Murray Sabrin joining us shortly. Uh, some news first. Global global warming. It's so cold. It's so hot that it's so cold. I was reading the other day in Alaska. They're feeling record uh, cold. And now spring is canceled. Meteorologists warn of pattern change of big snowstorms for the Northeast in the US. So um, yeah, there you go. It's it's, uh, it's 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 super cold, even though it's supposed to be super warm. I don't know what's what's going on. The seas are rising, the ice is melting, but spring is canceled, apparently. <laughs> um, also report that power supply in Ethiopia surged after Gerd, the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam's plant came online and is expected um, the power supply is expected to double again once it's at full capacity electricity in ethiopia is now close to as cheap as you'll find it anywhere in the world uh, and i did have on the show previously lawrence freeman uh, who's worked with the ethiopian government and has been long talking about the geared dam and, and people can go check the archive good news for ethiopia uh, in the UK, UK steps up war on whistleblower journalism with new National Security Act, with the Orwellian Security Act, they might as well call it, under a repressive new act, British nationals could face prison for undermining London's national security line. So in Canada, if you say you like gasoline, you go to jail. In U US, UK now, um, if you say something the government doesn't like, you go to jail. It says, intended to destroy WikiLeaks and others exposing war crimes, the law is a direct threat to critical national security journalism. You know, that's what the DHS and CISA are attempting to do in the US. Basically, if, if you question the government or expose its corruption, what you're doing is you, you in the US, you are, according to DHS and CISA, you're a non-kinetic threat. Literally, that's what they say in their documents, non-kinetic threat, and you are attacking the cyber infrastructure of the US government. So we're going to come after you. That's uh, that's what's going on. Absolutely insane. That's a gray zone report. Kit Clarenberg, they do awesome work. Um, exclusive, um, just uh, recently, Breitbart, Breitbart reports that Nayib Bukele, the president of El Salvador, who just won re-election, he's going to speak at CPAC uh, in Washington, D.C. this month. That is interesting meanwhile indiana sends national guard to southern border at texas's request indiana is sending national guard um they're going to send 50 hoosier guardsmen to the southern border to support the texas national guard so let's hope a, a civil war does not start um i like this uh, comment from j michael waller today who i recently talked to He's, he's quoting the FBI in Las Vegas. So the FBI account in Las Vegas posts a photo of a man or a woman. I, I can't tell. And they've got the FBI logo on the back of their shirt in rainbow colors and the rainbow, someone they're holding the rainbow flag. FBI Las Vegas says, we take pride in our diversity, different perspectives, expertise, and experiences help make us more effective in accomplishing the mission of the FBI. Michael Waller says, in fact, different perspectives are no longer welcome at today's FBI. According to a 2021 FBI training program, everyone must be an open ally of rainbow flaggers or be considered unpromotable. Tolerance and inclusion. You got to love it. Polish army considers allowing transgender troops. The new left liberal government in Poland is set to transform not only society, but also the military so the Polish Ministry of National Defense is contemplating the integration of transgender and intersex individuals. What even is that? Was is das? Integrating them into its military ranks, marking a potential shift in policy. The move comes shortly after a new globalist left liberal government came to power under 
ex-Brussels apparatchik Donald Tusk. Uh, are they going to be sending these troops um, in the coming war with Russia? German foreign minister's grandfather was ardent Nazi. Annalena Baerbock's office said she had no idea that her predecessor was a committed follower uh, of Hitler, right? All across the West, Christia Freeland in Canada, her forefathers, Nazis. In Germany, Baerbock's forefathers, Nazis. Meanwhile, you know, my grandpa was a prisoner of the Nazis. Uh, and Baerbock's grandfather, it says, was an unconditional national socialist who read Mein Kampf and fully stood with the Nazi regime. So yeah, it's no it's no wonder uh, given their current politics. And uh, here we have um, yet more calls for um, war. Uh, you've got, um, I, didn't, I didn't catch the, the country uh, this time, but another European leader is is calling um calling on the population to become reservists Ludivine dead on there the paywall came up Belgium Belgium now is calling on the population to become reservists so countries everywhere are prepping for war uh North Korea must be ready to occupy South Korea says Kim Jong-un Pyongyang considers Seoul to be its most harmful and unchangeable enemy um, also, this was interesting from Kiev Post. Georgian president denounces Russian plan for Navy base in breakaway region. So uh, Georgia's president denounced a reported Russian plan to set up a Navy base in the breakaway Abkhazia region as a threat to security in the Black Sea. Um, Abkhazia's separatist leader said he signed an agreement with Russia to establish a Russian naval base at the Black Sea town of Ochamchira in the near future. That is interesting. And Jeffrey Sachs wrote an interesting piece uh, on how Captain Obvious, I mean, I've been saying this for how long, but uh, he says that um, there are strong reasons to believe that U.S. actions led to the removal from power of Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan. Yes, that is obviously what happened. For all the latest community events, rallies, marches, festivals, and fundraisers happening near you, visit the What's On Events calendar on the TNT website at tntradio.live. Stay in touch on today's News Talk TNT. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The U.S. military recently announced that defense scientists from Australia, the U.K., and the United Soviet States of America are testing the use of autonomous vehicles in combat environments. Skynet is becoming self-aware. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, codename Ruckus. Thanks, Rory. Before you can sit around and debate and, and have a conversation or try to vote about whether or not we should be doing things like incorporating artificial intelligence and autonomous vehicles with machine guns and bombs and flamethrowers, eh, too late. Yeah, we're already testing it. Um, so these trials, they're designed to test autonomous vehicle behavior and sensor arrays in a contested environment. That is when they're under attack. Uh, a network of robotic ground vehicles simulated the conduct of long-range precision fires in a combat scenario in southern Australia. But did not carry live munitions, at least according to U.S. Indo-Pacific Command, Indo-PACOM, which oversees U.S. military operations in the region. Some of the vehicles were configured to represent autonomous multi-domain launchers, a type of unmanned high-mobility artillery rocket system commonly referred to as HIMARS. Defense Australia said the trials had successfully demonstrated that it's all over, folks. Humans lose. The Skynet is here. No, I'm just kidding. They said that it demonstrated successfully, quote, the integration of advanced autonomy and artificial intelligence, end quote. That was in a, uh, for some strange reason, now deleted post on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, the trials um, have an interesting name. It's TORVICE, T-O-R-VICE, V-I-C-E, which stands for Trusted Operation of Robotic Vehicles in a Contested Environment. 
Yay. Uh, these trials were conducted to identify vulnerabilities faced by autonomous systems in electronic warfare environments and resolve related issues, whatever that means. Scientists love science. They also subjugated the vehicles to electronic warfare, electro-optical position, navigation, and timing attacks. The trials took place at Coltana Training Area in South Australia and are the latest artificial intelligence AI exercise by AUKUS. That is, of course, a trilateral partnership between the three nations designed to enhance military interoperability, readiness, and technology sharing. A news release by Indopaccom said that the tests were conceived as part of AUKUS Pillar 2, advancing joint capabilities, and took place under the auspices of the Artificial Intelligence and Autonomy Working Group. This all sounds so nice. AUKUS has sought to jointly develop new capabilities in the cyber, AI, quantum, and, interestingly enough, undersea domains since its inception in 2021. Which one of these doesn't seem to fit in place there? Uh, to that end, the trial follows another AUKUS AI exercise that took place in April of last year that was held in the UK in Salisbury. That trial similarly sought to assess and mitigate vulnerabilities posed to, posed to autonomous systems in contested and complex environments. But that one was focused more on cyber threats. Uh, apparently, a key goal of AUKUS and the Torvice trials is to enhance collaboration that will effectively accelerate the adoption of AI and related technologies for military use. Ah, yes. I'm happy to see this, Herboy. They're going to do everything they can to make sure that AI adoption and related technologies in military uh, applications are safe and effective. What could go wrong? Safe and effective. Where have I heard that? before you know we're starting to see this trend again uh, demogra demography uh, automation it's all sort of coming together you know we had joe allen on the program recently talking transhumanism and on his twitter feed uh, there was this fascinating post um basically where this ai researcher james zhu says ai models are getting substantially substantially worse in capabilities over time potentially as a result of interacting with humans and joe allen says the internet is so good at making people stupid it even works on ai and you know his running theory is idiocracy algocracy again algocracy is is the scientific dictatorship that they envision um rule by algorithm in their own white papers that i've read nick uh, bostrom Talk, they talk about uh, we need a world government run by algorithms, uh, totalitarian surveillance system. But I think it's going to be like idiocracy, algocracy. That's even worse. You know, we live in this Kafka-esque dystopian system that do doesn't function half the time. Uh, and then what, what you're describing, you know, AUKUS, uh, Skynet basically becoming self-aware. In my opinion, you know, I think uh, Terminator was really a vision of the future of where they the plan the, the aim you know the plan that they've had and i think they're building out skynet uh and so it's kind of scary because there's no telling at, at what moment what can go wrong if if this skynet these these autonomous vehicles if they can get hacked if there's a bad actor with within the government um or if it's like if if we end up with black mirror right where the metalhead robo dogs are programmed to kill all humans. Ruckus, your, your further thoughts. What was the famous quote from uh, 1984 about, uh, wasn't it, was it George Orwell about picturing what tyranny looks like, the, uh, the face with the boot? Yeah, the boot on the face forever, right? No, now we got to picture the that, that scene from Terminator where the, the, the android robot steps on the, the, the human skull and crushes it. <laughs> That's what our tyranny really looks like now. Very interesting stuff. I don't know what the, the, the future warfare looks like. I mean, I imagine they, I mean, they talk about like, oh, we're going to have an operational advantage. Yeah, against human targets, I guess. But what if your enemy has the same kind of sophisticated equipment? I hear all the weird stuff coming out of China. I haven't been ignorant to that news. Uh, I've heard they've got full on like robot soldiers walking around. So 
you know, what's that going to look like? Are robots going to be fighting robots? What is really the ultimate end game here? Or, or, you know, uh, they just want to ultimately get rid of all the humans. And, you know, uh, that's just the, once they're done with the robots, they'll get rid of them too, Herbori. I've had some chats with some of my listeners or subscribers on the podcast, and th they believe that, and I could see this scenario that, again, they use the wars to develop this tech, to advance it, to prototype it, like in Ukraine, right? And elsewhere, the world wars, out of that, we got, you know, so many technologies that we have today. And that ultimately the plan will be for all of the world's governments to use this tech against us, the the the, the global population. And so uh depends how they're going to want to, if they're going to just want to keep us in control, or if they say we got to get rid of 10% of the population, send out the, uh, the drone, uh, autonomous drone swarms. I mean, these things, and I think they're advancing uh, with, with this stuff. I mean, if you watch some of the footage, uh, the, the, this stuff is getting more, uh, less and less expensive. And you get these, you know, drone swarms that can just, it's crazy. It's crazy. All right, Ruckus, have a wonderful um weekend enjoy the texas barbecue uh we got murray sabrin joining us we'll be right back tnt's abby roberts so this is the headline in the guardian pleasure of sex is a gift from god but avoid porn pope advises what is it with religious people and sex isn't there anything else that's 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 more important to worry about? And this is what uh, this is what Pope Francis uh, say. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it in an Italian accent just to be even more offensive. Sexual pleasure is a gift from God, but Catholics must avoid pornography. Pope Francis has said. The pontiff. Oh, I'll tell you what though, he was all for giving people lots of pricks during 2021. Bloody hell, mRNA's fine, but just not porn. Abby Roberts on TNT. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform, that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually 9 out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Internet. Internet. A stream online. tntradio.live. Today's news talk radio. TNT. All right. We're, we're, yeah. Um, we're returning to the broadcast. It's been quite a while. Murray Sabrin, last time he was on, we talked about his book, uh, and we were audio only, so now we can see him uh he's a emeritus professor of finance he's considered a public intellectual for writing essays about the economy and scholarly and pub popular publications um murray sabrin.substack.com uh, is his website and his book as well which we discussed last time which i very much enjoyed from I immigrant to public intellectual and american story and he's on twitter x and facebook uh welcome back to the program murray great to be with you ivory there's there's a you know a lot of stuff we can discuss, but I think you said you recently gave a talk um, and uh, on the theme of the constitutional crisis we're facing, and indeed we are facing a lot of crises, and so uh, maybe we can start there. Well, this is the one that uh, has been buried under the rug for literally for decades, if not if not more than a century. And uh, it really goes back to the progressive era from 1880 to 1920, when um, the uh, left-wingers, uh, the young left-wingers who uh, studied in Prussia came back to the United States with all these uh, big government ideas that uh, we've got to have a welfare state, we've got to have retirement benefits, we've got to have the whole nine yards. And then Teddy, President Teddy Roosevelt picked up on the idea of having uh, national health insurance. Of course, we don't have that fully yet, but we're getting very close. Then when you add the income tax, the uh, the Federal Reserve, and then all the New Deal legislation from Social Security and all the uh, minimum wage and uh, aid to dependent uh, uh, children, and then you go to the Great Society programs of LBJ, and what do you get? Medicare, Medicaid, housing subsidies, more welfare spending, and of course, undeclared wars, endless wars uh, since... Uh, in the World War II with Korea, Vietnam, uh, and uh, the two Mideast wars. And now we have proxy wars in um, Ukraine and, um, and the Middle East. 
So the federal government, of course, the Patriot Act, it just goes on and on. I mean, we could we could literally write a whole book on how the Constitution has been turned on its head that Article One, Section Eight has been totally disregarded by members of Congress, the President of the United States, the Supreme Court justices over the decades, and the federal government can do whatever it wants practically because there are cabinet departments that are not authorized. Uh, let me give you two that Ronald Reagan campaigned on to get to uh, abolish the Department of Energy and the Department of Education. Absolutely unnecessary. First of all, they're not authorized. Then you have the Commerce Department, uh, Housing and Urban Development, Health and Human Services, agriculture, um, veteran services. I mean, it just goes on and on. So we have a fundamental issue in this country that both Republicans and Democrats do not want to address. And that what we're seeing in Washington is basically the, uh, uh, the Kabaki show, uh, if, if I pronounced it correctly. They're just going through the motions of uh, rallying up their bases in both parties. And yet federal spending keeps on going up no matter who's president. And the irony, here's the real irony about the federal government, is that Republicans call themselves fiscal conservatives, yet the budget has grown fastest under Republican presidents during the post-war period. Now, how is that for irony when Trump exploded the budget, uh, George W. Bush exploded the budget, and the most fiscally conservative presidents, according to how uh, fast the budget grew took place under democratic presidents so uh, there's a moral to the story here and that is a democratic president with a republican congress uh, gives us less growth in government spending which is the real burden on the american people and it's financed by taxes and borrowing which of course takes away capital from the private sector that we need for capital formation and other things that businesses do in order to expand their businesses that increases the output of goods and services that would put uh, that would cause prices to decline very slowly in other words natural deflation uh, instead of the ups and downs of the business cycle and the price level that we're getting because of the federal reserve manipulating interest rates and pumping money into the economy and pumping money out of the economy so again if you look at this from an objective perspective all the promises of the left wingers the status the progressives who think that trickle-down economics money flowing from the people to washington back to the people in the states is the way to go is is uh is contradicted by the evidence that uh, it doesn't uh, eliminate poverty, it doesn't um, give us social harmony, and we waste trillion, we wasted trillions of dollars on the military-industrial complex that President Eisenhower, force five-star general from World War II, warned us about in his state, uh, his farewell address in January 1961. So those of us that have a memory of all this, uh, we're just beside ourselves in what's happening uh, to America. And by the way, in 1959, I took an oath to uphold the Constitution when I became a US citizen at uh, age 12 and a half. And I can say uh, without any equivocation that I've done my part to make sure we have a constitutional republic in America while both Republicans and Democrats have turned their back on the Constitution. Sometimes I feel immigrants are even more zealous about the Constitution and myself now I'm here in Mexico. I'm a naturalized Mexican during COVID, you know, when they were going crazy and acting all un unconstitutionally, the government here in Mexico, I was one of the few uh, Mexicans, naturalized Mexican, right? Gringo, foreigner up in arms like where are the Emiliano Zapatas, the Pancho Villas, you know, what the government, all these lockdowns is totally tyrannical. Uh, and I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, as you mentioned, your your story as an immigrant, you're 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 zealous in terms of that Amer American patriotism. And, and you, you know, you're right. I recently spoke to David Stockman, Reagan's budget um, director. He wrote a book, Trump's War on Capitalism. And he explained right. during under Trump um, the 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 debt um, ballooned eight trillion dollars uh I, I think and so you know that triggered some um some of the maga trump crowd but you have to look at things without getting um emotional and you mentioned uh, i think you're friendly with robert wright who i had on the program recently and he's written a new book um on uh the new deal he calls that being the the first great reset that the new deal under fdr was the first great reset and we're going undergoing the second great um, reset. And it's just more statism, as you say, the welfare state, the warfare state, 
um, the central bank. Uh, and we, we gotta, we gotta turn this ship around and I, I want to get your further thoughts on that after the headlines. What brings you here? News. News entirely. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. During a Thursday evening news conference, President Joe Biden addressed inquiries concerning his memory. In a notable interview with Tucker Carlson, Russian President Vladimir Putin offered insights from a distinctly Russian viewpoint on Eastern European history and accused the CIA of sabotaging the Nord Stream pipeline. The Supreme Court appears poised to overturn a Colorado Supreme Court decision that excluded former President Donald Trump from the state's Republican presidential primary ballot due to allegations of violating the Constitution's insurrection clause. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. Right, we're back with Murray Sabrin again. Check out his Substack, MurraySabrin.substack.com, and his book from immigrant to public intellectual. Um, and you know, we've got now illegal aliens coming in, uh, 15,000 a day in the entire U.S. Army division. They're being given, in some reports, um, welfare, 2,000 bucks a month. It's, you know, it's absolutely insane. You know, your further thoughts on all of this, and how do we begin? to stop this madness well I'll, I'll talk about my own story to america as a two and a half year old in august 1949 with my older brother and my parents who were the only ones who survived the holocaust and my father wrote his first cousin who came to america i think in 1946 and his great aunt who raised his uh, mother in uh, new york city in the early part of the 20th century <clears throat> so um we got our papers uh, to come to America in August 1949. Uh, we took a ship across the Atlantic. I think it was about eight day uh, travel. We landed in, in Manhattan uh, in uh, August 6th. And um, I, as I recall, uh, asking my father about his experience coming to America, there was no welfare. A, a nonprofit social service agency helped us out. My father got a job in a pencil factory at a dollar an hour. Uh, we lived in a three-room uh, apartment, a railroad apartment that looked like a railroad car with a with the bathroom in the hallway shared with other parents, uh, other tenants, I should say. And we had a tub in the kitchen. I remember that uh, distinctly. And it was a one-bedroom apartment. And my younger brother was born there in 1953. And that's when we moved to the Bronx in a beautiful uh, four-room apartment, two bedrooms. My older brother and I had our own uh, bedroom. And that's the, I think, the, the way to come to America where you're welcome in open arms, especially after World War II, and you build a life for yourself. My father was an industrious guy. He was a locksmith by a trade and eventually got a job in a sheet metal factory uh, for $3 an hour in the 1950s. And he supported a family of five with that type of income because there was no social security taxes, uh, uh, no Medicare taxes. I remember distinctly seeing his uh, pay stub it was a 40 hour work week, a $3 an hour, $120 gross pay. And his take home pay was $108. And I believe it was 52 or 54 cents. So there was ver there was no state income tax. There was no state, um, uh, there was no city income tax. It was just a federal income tax and social security. And, um, and we lived on that. And we went to the Catskills for the summer as a lot of Jewish families from New York City did. That's the way you come to America and build a life and don't expect the government, i.e. the taxpayer, to subsidize you. And that ethic has gone by the wayside because we have this, this uh, horrific humanitarian disaster at the border because the Biden administration uh, doesn't believe there should be order at the, uh, at the border. I don't, uh, it sort of rhymes, but uh, I'm not expecting it to, to. But you have an orderly process where people are vetted in the American consulate in their home country we, we make sure that they don't have a criminal record. We make sure they're healthy. They're not coming into the country with any illness, whether it's COVID or tuberculosis 
or sexually transmitted disease or whatever uh, possible communica- communicable illness they could have, you want them to stay in their home country till, till they, uh, till they uh, are healthy. If we had that system in place where sponsorship, that people who sponsor immigrants would be responsible for their welfare, would be responsible for helping them get a job for their housing, that's that's the American way that I know that was my personal experience that uh, made it possible for millions and millions of Americans to come to uh, millions and millions of uh, overseas nationals to come to America from all parts of the world. If we had a rational system based upon a sponsorship where uh, there's plenty of work to do in America, there's, there's uh, not a, a shortage of work to do. And that's how you go from one generation working at fairly low income jobs, uh, low skilled jobs. And if today, what, what do we know? Even low skilled jobs are getting $15, $18 an hour, depending upon what part of the country. Uh, I see uh, signs at the CVS uh, here in uh, Southwest Florida. I think starting salary is $15 an hour. And if, if those jobs are pretty low skilled um, and if, if two parents are working, you can have a, a, a relatively decent income plus whatever benefits you can get from the social service agency locally. <coughs> so there are, there's a simple way to deal with immigration. No one in Washington is coming up with that system that would solve the problem instantly. Uh, you shut down the border. You tell people you cannot come in unless you're, you're first vetted in your home country. And that would eliminate a lot of people who are coming here. And God knows what sort of goals they have coming here. We saw what happened in Times Square the other day where uh, a mini mob uh, pounced on two uh, police officers. And um, that's not the, the America I remember back in the 1950s where immigrants would come in and they would go to a, their local community where they would find people from their own home country and they would help them uh, get established in the United States. So today we have a mess because it's turned into a political football. And um, I don't think a, a wall is the answer. I think you could put troops on the border because we don't know if people are coming in with any sort of uh, uh, weapons or things like that. They may smuggle them across the border. And this, by the way, in, 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 um, empowers the cartels that are, that are uh, making tons, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars by bringing people in uh, the way they're doing it. And David Stockman is in a recent um, uh, commentary said, if we had a system of uh, work sponsorship, a, a plane fare ticket from Costa Rica to the United States would be like $240. And, and the uh, people who have, are paying thousands of dollars to the cartels would have that money to come here to establish businesses and get started. So the whole system we have today is anti-family, it's anti-humanitarian, and it just empowers vicious people uh, in Mexico uh, and other parts of South America, Central America, to make money off the backs of hardworking people who are trying to come here for a better life. Yeah, I've talked to Mexicans, Latinos on both sides of the border. Um, you know, many taxi drivers, Uber drivers that I've encountered in the U.S. last year are completely illegal, uh, don't even speak English. Um, and they tell me that they pay, as you mentioned, the coyotes, the cartels. Um, they just hop right over. They come and go easy. Uh, and it's it's absolutely crazy. And that work ethic as well was instilled uh, with me growing up in the U.S. My parents were immigrants and I hate welfare. I don't want free money. You know, I want to work my way up uh, and I don't want to take any government's money. You know, yeah. I came here to Mexico 14 years ago. I was working hard, uh, you know, married a Mexican, became a Mexican, bought a home here, living the American dream in Mexico. <laughs> and so it's just like, you know, uh, I just did it all by the sweat of my brow and, and I don't want any free money. And I, I think it's this idea that a lot of people have today that this sort of welfare state and, you know, do you fear things can get really out of control? Because, you know, there's this movie I, I saw recently from 1997, the Second Civil War, it's called some this is satire mm-hmm. where uh, Second Civil War begins because of migrants coming into Idaho. And the U.S. Uh, Washington sends troops to attack Idaho National Guard. And we've got sort of a similar scenario mm-hmm. now with Texas National Guard. Uh, there's talk of civil war, um, no elections, uh, 
you know, any, any thoughts on where where we um, might be headed? Well, this could get ugly pretty quickly if there are some incidences around the country where immigrants, uh, quote, illegals, are, are doing some um, egregious uh, crimes uh, in big cities. Uh, we see the, uh, the uh, what, what do they call it in, in California, where you get these mobs going into the stores, the Nordstrom, the high-end stores, and stealing stuff. And what if the immigrants start doing this en masse all across the country, Fifth Avenue, uh, Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, or Bel Air, whatever, uh, wherever that is, or in, in, in Dallas, in uh, Miami. You can have a real problem if, if that occurs, and I think the people won't stand for it, because one of the things that every human being wants is peace and safety in their communities. And if you don't have that, which is the primary responsibility of government, let's, let's, let's tell the truth here. The primary responsibility of government is to maintain the peace and order in a community. And if they can't do that, anything else they do is an insult to the taxpayers because they're using money not for the primary purpose of government, which is to protect the people from, from assault and, and other crimes. So, <clears throat> Uh, what could happen? And, and I gave a speech nearly five years ago um, in my last year uh, teaching at Ramapo College. I'm just going to take a little sip here. <clears throat> Where <clears throat> I predicted, or at least I said the possibility is that the United States break up into several countries like Yugoslavia did and the, and the Soviet Union did because it's very difficult to maintain a central government for so many different cultures in one large geographic area. Now, Yugoslavia wasn't that big, but certainly the Soviet Union broke up in, into what, about a, a half a dozen to a dozen uh, nation states. So we could see that happening in the United States, I think, very easily over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It may even happen sooner. It really depends if uh, California says uh, uh, we're not happy with what Washington does, if, if there's another Trump or other Republican administration coming in, or you get the red states saying we're not happy with what Biden or anyone else who's uh, in Washington, and they say we can't take it anymore. Uh, and they can invoke what the South did unsuccessfully, namely, we joined the union voluntarily. We want to leave the union voluntarily. And that was the essence of why we had the war between the states, misnamed the Civil War. The South didn't want to take over Washington. They just wanted to secede, like the colonies seceded from Great Britain. So uh, Nikki Haley was right. Slavery was not the cause of the war. It was it was basically uh, uh, secession was, was, the, was the cause of the Civil War. But ha having said that, uh, yeah, uh, it's hard to predict what's going to happen, but what if we have another, quote, pandemic this summer and fall? What if the states decide only mail-in ballots will be allowed, that you cannot vote in person? Now, that opens up a Pandora's box for fraud, because um, what would prevent uh, some communities from printing more ballots than they have registered voters or having people who are not registered vote. So uh, with all these, uh, quote, illegals in the country, what does that mean for the voter rolls uh, in, in different states? And of course, we know there are only about a half a dozen states where the election is going to be decided at the presidential level. It's, uh, it's Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, and possibly Georgia and, uh, and Minnesota. So there are only six states that really decide the election. All the other states are really solid blue or solid red. So uh, I think everyone's got to make sure that those states have honest elections, which uh, the Trump people claimed were not honest in, in 2020. So uh, yeah, I, I'm very pessimistic about the next several years, not only because of the Federal Reserve and, and the federal budget, but because of the social disharmony we're having in this country. And it's being fueled by Biden and the Democrats. I think um, the motto, uh, which I always believed in growing up as a little kid, um, uh, do unto others that you have others do unto you and uh, do no harm. Okay, do no harm. Just keep your hands to yourself and out of people's pockets. And unfortunately, the federal government doesn't do it. And most states don't do it. And so that's the problem we're facing in this country. We're overtaxed, we're overregulated, uh, we're overmedicated, to, to use an, an, another concept that I've uh, discovered in my research on healthcare. And um, this, this is the problem when you have big government. Uh, and it's been growing for more than 100 years. This didn't happen overnight. It uh, uh, hope, uh, hopefully it will disappear as uh, not uh, more quickly than it came about. But we have a lot of work to do. Those of us who believe in a limited government, in a constitutional republic, 
instead of having every just about every sector of the economy is regulated by the federal government and we can see the problems that we have across the board whether it's healthcare education uh the, uh, the banking system uh there are some people who think that the real estate sector is going to have some deep problems the next couple of years because they have to refinance at much higher rates than they did a few years ago and we may see uh, many more defaults in, in the commercial real estate market and so what will the fed do in order to uh stop the hemorrhaging of, of these uh bankruptcies well in a free market you let the bankruptcies occur uh the the, the uh, owners of these properties will sell them at bargain basements prices and you'll have new owners taking them over and that's the that's the cleansing if you will of the free market when you have speculation because of the federal reserve's uh um lunacy of keeping interest rates at close to zero percent for a decade yeah, and what you mentioned earlier about yugoslavia you know that's where my parents came from i'm uh in croatian and i've been also often referencing what's happening in the U.S. as you just outlined uh, a potential Yugoslav disintegration um, scenario as well civil war um, and then you know there's just talk of a North American Union because I saw you know they Yugoslavia broke up and then was reintegrated into the European Union uh, and so, so you know there could be similar plans as well things break up here and then they say hey why don't we why don't we reintegrate into the Canadian uh, American and Mexican North American um union and it's interesting my uh previous uh, hours guest Michael Barone of the American Enterprise Institute mm -hmm. I, I I can kind of pick up that uh we all have the same view him him uh, I think you and and me as well that we've got this sort of fake two-party system uniparty um yeah. system and it seems just seems like more and more people are picking up on that it's time for our uh break Murray uh, again the substack Murray sabrin.substack.com you can find him on Facebook uh Twitter X and his uh, latest book from immigrant to public intellectual we'll be right back de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective I'm sure you've been following Mark Morano and of course the climate trial of the century where Dr Michael Mann was suing Mark Stein in any case that is going to the jury now there are a couple of things that have popped up in this trial which are very interesting First of all, out of the 22 possibilities for this so-called hockey stick, only two of them showed the hockey stick. Both of those were fudging the hockey stick. And what did I mean by fudging? Well, they claimed that the medieval warm period did not exist, which if Dr. Mann was actually a meteorologist and looked at the weather, he should know that you can't just have regionalized warming in one area of the world. If it's warm in one area of the world, it's going to be warm in other areas of the world. I think I've explained this before. Now, another thing is that there's some interesting things coming out that may open Dr. Mann up to be sued, especially by Dr. Judith Curry. Now, I've always wondered why Dr. Curry did not go after Michael Mann because he has really said some disgusting things about her, including spreading false rumors about her sex life. So there were a whole bunch of little other things that came out. Don't know what the jury's going to do. Seems pretty obvious to a normal human being that Mark Stein did not cause Michael Mann any damage given 12 years later, Michael Mann is a prince among all these climate change people that think that the earth is burning up. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Eggs. You can fry them, scramble them, poach them, boil them, or race them on a spoon. But uncooked eggs can be a risk for food poisoning. To be safe, avoid buying dirty or cracked eggs. Always wash your hands after handling eggs. And if you're concerned, pregnant, elderly, or have a poor immune system, make sure you cook eggs until the yolk starts to firm. Or look for new pasteurized eggs. For excellent eggs, handle them safely. You're with Hervoye Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, it's our final segment here with Marie Sabrin. You can check out his book, From Immigrant to Public Intellectual in American Story, and he's on Substack, Marie Sabrin. Um, I just further discussing what's happening in, in the U.S. You know, I was very sad the other day, Marie, when uh, the, the head of DHS, Alejandro Mayorkas, was not impeached. Um, and then we've got, you know, Biden calling the the the, the president of Egypt, um, Mexico's president, right, El Sisi. Uh, it just feels like where everything's falling apart. Um, you know, any and I don't know if you caught the the, the Tucker Putin interview yesterday. That was kind of um, 
Interesting. So further thoughts on any of this um, as, as well as the road ahead? Yeah, I mean, uh, impeachment is a blunt instrument, to say the least. And uh, one of the Republican congressmen who voted against it has an op-ed in uh, the Wall Street Journal today. And he, and he made a, a compelling point that we don't want to um, impeach people because they're just lousy at their job. But again, the the, the uh thesis is you impeach him because he's not upholding the law that he swore to uphold. And uh, the same thing can be said for Biden uh, in terms of the border. And you, you can understand why Republicans are upset and, other, and the American people are upset that uh, the border, uh, the, the immigration laws are not being enforced. And you have, what is it, 10 million people in the last three years coming in under Biden. And we have no idea uh, who, who, who most of these people are because um, there's no very good record keeping of them. Not to say that we should have a lot of government record keep, keeping of people as a libertarian. We don't want that. But the point is you want an orderly process as we discussed earlier. So um, Biden seems to be the one that has impeachable offenses with what he did with Ukraine and uh, what he did with getting money from Ukraine through his brother and, and son. So we'll see how that plays itself out. I saw the first half of the Tucker Carlson Putin interview. I want to see the second half soon. I didn't realize it was going to be two hours. That's an amazing time to spend in an interview. And uh, what, what I did see from the interview is uh, Putin is a very savvy guy. He knows history. And he understands the geopolitics of the region very well. And he, he knows that the CIA is, uh, is a troublemaker. I mean, they've been doing their nefarious stuff for decades, undermining third world nations, overthrowing governments like uh, Allende in Chile uh, in 1973. So the CIA has been involved in assassinations. And some people believe it was... Um, up to its eyeballs in the assassination of President Kennedy. That's a topic for another day. People have written books on that. And uh, Oliver Stone's movie gets into that to some extent on JFK. Um, but um, yeah, the deep state, the big government, I realized this years ago uh, when Nixon did wage price controls, I left the Republican Party because I joined the Republican Party a couple of years earlier, realizing that the Great Society program is going to be a disaster. And when he imposed wage price controls, he was supposedly a free market, fiscally conservative president, and here he does these things that only you think a Democrat would do. And at that time, I said, we, we don't have two parties in America. We have a Washington party. And that's the term I've been using for more than 50 years. We have a Washington party in D.C. Um, and they go through the, uh, the ritual of uh, blame, pointing your fingers at each other. But what happens? The budget just keeps on going up. The Federal Reserve keeps on manipulating interest rates. They keep on uh, regulating the economy uh, with more and more uh, onerous regulations on businesses and small businesses, which prompts large businesses to go overseas. And if you really want to keep businesses in America, you get rid of most of the regular regulations that are um, in the Federal Register and allow businesses to open in, uh, in a free economy in the United States. And that would bring back jobs and production to the United States. But the geniuses in Washington don't like a free market economy. And that's the real problem, uh, especially the Democrats. Uh, they think that regulations have no adverse consequences. And so... Uh, uh, it, it's shocking, uh, the the lack of intellectual depth on economics in, in Washington, D.C. And um, having run for the U.S. Senate in New Jersey, uh, it would have been wonderful to have been a U.S. Senator from New Jersey and get up in the Senate, in the Senate floor and really castigate, uh, uh, criticize the, the other 99 senators or 95 senators who constantly vote for bigger and bigger government, uh, no matter who's, who's in office. And so I didn't get that opportunity. So I'm doing what I can do best, uh, which is writing books and getting on podcasts. And I appreciate the, this opportunity. And hopefully the message will get out because it's not going to be solved politically. I'm convinced of that. The, the, the problems we're facing in the country, it is going to be solved by people de developing alternatives to big government in their own communities, whether it's through healthcare, education, housing, and other um, uh, uh, organizations, free market, nonprofits, uh, profit-making organizations, that is the backbone of America. It's not the government programs or, and handouts. And so that's the message I'm, I'm trying to deliver to as many people as possible. And if we're successful um, in 5, 10, 15 years, who knows how long it'll take, we will be moving faster and faster toward a free market, um, 
limited government republic and a non-interventionist foreign policy. And that's the, and that's the, a, a freedom liberty agenda that we desperately need in this country in order to avoid uh, a fiscal nightmare, which is coming down the pike. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of that. Yeah, we got three minutes left. I saw also on your website, you, you published uh, a link to John Bush's counter economy webinar. I got to meet him uh, recently at the Greater Reset Conference here in Mexico. Um, and you've also been doing some work uh, looking into big pharma uh, and the healthcare yeah. industry. I think you're, you're involved with uh, uh, courses uh, on that. If you uh, in the last three minutes or so, you know, if you want, if you want to tell us about a big pharma, the medical industrial complex and, and what you're uh, working on there. Yeah, the, the course is the economics of healthcare and wellness uh, transformative uh, solutions, and it's uh, pr uh, provided at the platform of IPAC, IPAK-EDU.org. And we started the course um, a couple of weeks ago. Registration ends February 15th, so our next course is uh, 7 p.m. to uh, 8 p.m. Wednesday evenings, and you can sign up for the course. And uh, if you go to my Substack, uh, you'll see the link to, to register for it. And there are three of us are teaching the course, and uh, we're just providing the audience with a lot of information about what went wrong. Why do we have a $4 trillion medical care bill in the United States? And the people are getting sicker and sicker. Obesity levels are in the stratosphere and they're going to go higher because the processed foods that are eating are awful. And then we have to get a, and then people get a, a prescription drug to deal with the, uh, the bad food that we're eating. And so uh, that is expensive. So we need to go back to uh, nature uh, in terms of good eating, uh, uh, using uh, uh, naturopathic approaches to maintaining your health. And if you need uh, surgery or uh, a prescription, uh, it should be relatively inexpensive. There are alternatives to big hospitals like the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. So we're going to explore all the reasons that uh, we have a $4 trillion uh, medical care bill in the country through Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance, and and uh, employee-based insurance and talk about solutions. And the solutions are right around us. I wrote two books on healthcare, um, uh, Universal Medical Care from Conception to End of Life. It's about the individual single-payer system rather than the Bernie Sanders uh, government single-payer and then the finance of healthcare. So these are two books I've written and I did a lot of research speaking to doctors and naturopaths and other professionals that uh, the medical care system we have today discounts or i should say sets aside the doctor-patient relationship in order to fill the bureaucracy's needs of making sure the doctors are properly coding their insurance forms which is crazy that's not the way to deal with uh the uh, patient needs it's not to fill out insurance forms correctly it's to correctly diagnose their problem and give them, and give them some better solutions than what they're having today well, we're out of time thank you uh for coming uh back on the program murray the the link is there in the in the description, murraysavarin.substack.com. They can find your book. Uh, you already mentioned the link to the course. So uh, as always, yeah, yeah, thanks for coming on. You're, you're welcome back. Um, and uh, I'm signing off. Steve Malsberg is up next. Uh, be seeing you.